I am unashamed. What about you? Well, Al's still in Greece. We have Zach piping in from where are you at? North Carolina? North Carolina. All we right. did have technical difficulties this morning. We have, but the show must go on. Now, we do have some breaking news here. I understand you and Kay have received the package. You want to describe Kay, that? She, the UPS truck, accidentally ran over Bobo, and uh, his eyes were getting a little bad anyway, and an old age had come his way. He was about 12, 13. So Bobo bit it out in the middle of the pump right there in front of the house, UPS truck. The and before you tell what, what's happened, the arrival, what y'all do is y'all just replace the dog with a similar looking dog and just name him the same thing. That's right. That's why that why that way he's always here. Old Bobo, he's still here. So y'all got a dog. <laughs> Bobo arrived and his running mate, we're gonna call him Bobo in memory of Bobo, oh, Bobo. the UPS truck. Who was also in memory of Bobo? Bobo. Yeah. Okay. Was on a line of Jesse. He came from Jesse. So you believe when it comes to people, you believe in resurrection, but I'm beginning to feel that in the dog, the canine, you're you're kind of a reincarnationist. Well, I'll put it this way. If, if, if dogs actually, if some people say, you know, we're going to have dogs in heaven. I don't know, but on our, uh, if, if, if it's, if they enter heaven, we, we, we got a passel of dogs waiting on Yeah, us. well, I'll look for you. I'll see the dogs running behind you. I, well, I, I know tell where us their about graves the are. I know where we buried them out here behind the tractors out here. Yeah. You know, in the edge of the backwater, you know, yeah, that's where he Oh, see, so y'all had a whole kind of funeral procession. These two dogs right. showed up, then I looked at them, and they're like... Oh, so you got two. Well, tell us the story with that. Is it two males? Is it a male and a it's female? It's a male and a female. They're six weeks old. They're the size of the wharf rats that we've been putting the rat, rat poison on. Oh, boy. So we got to make sure the rat poison was taken up before we brought these little things. Yeah. Look, they, they were they So were for smaller. you listening, he's, he's showing that they look about, what, uh, six inches they're, long? They're the size of a cat squirrel, not a fox squirrel. Fox squirrel's bigger than these dogs. These dogs are little. For you yuppies, the cat squirrel is the smaller gray squirrel. The fox squirrel is usually quite large and kind of an orange-looking red. And literally, oh. Miss Kay, on her way back, she said, we've got the dogs. And she said, they're the most beautiful dogs in the world. Oh, wow. I said, well, I'm looking forward to seeing them. She said, isn't that great? I said, yeah, bring them on. So my question is, how much did they bark and whine last night in the first night? Well, we got Sneaky and Freaky, who the, the Miss Kay got off the dashers, and they're two of the dumbest dogs on earth. <laughs> we were wondering... <laughs> <laughs> what their response was going to be to two new dogs showing up. So when the two new ones, they brought them in, they were hugging them, you know, they, and they had a little blanket, you know. Of course, old Sneaky and Freaky are... They were growling. They okay. didn't like it. I said, hey, they didn't like chaos. Controversy. Yeah. So we don't want a big dog fight, you know, and these no. dogs, I mean, they're so small, they would be easily done yeah. in. But Sneaky and Freaky are never been fighters. Yeah, no, they're not. They Bobo they, was the well, he was the one that took care of the fight. You know that Sneaky and Freaky have never got within arm's reach of me when I come visit. They Listen, they don't. They if I go to pet them, they in run. five years. The only time they will get close to me is if it thunders. If it thunders, boom, boom, mm -hmm. here they come. 
and they get beside me and start shivering like this, like, yeah. save us because we're dead because there's a loud noise. The only thing they fear more than you is actual lightning, lightning and thunder. the sky, the thunder. Yeah. That's interesting. They're your friend then. That's so all. What, what, it's relative. What made you... What? What made you choose to get two dogs to replace Bobo? Because you've replaced Bobo now with two dogs, right? Always remember this. This entire thing is built around the strange creatures that God made. They're called women. So the women, <laughs> the women, the, I when, think the creatures, this... when the creatures say we got dogs coming, if you really want to see women cry, oh, no, uh, you don't want Oh, them. so they were crying on the arrival. Oh, That's so no. crazy. They uh, cry on the departure and the new arrival. This okay. was a happening. Yeah. At daylight, oh, they're up there looking what they're doing, what a last night, you know, and they get yeah. to make sure they have plenty to eat. And... Well, I'm sure that'll be fun for Miss Kay. That's that's. Awesome. So, so you, but you've got four. So you've got four dogs in the house now. Four, four, yeah. four dogs in the house and still counting. <laughs> so well, congratulations. Yeah, we, Let me. You can give yeah. us an update from time to time. I mean, I, we're way past. You know, get them things out of here. No, the women. Well, I told pie. you once before. One of the benefits from losing your hearing are these types of situations. Because yep. for me, I would have to put background noise. As, as I slept like a fan or so, cause they would wake me up. I'm ha I have to do this with this little baby that we have. Cause it just, well, we had two of, the, two of our, you know, one of, one of, uh, Jep's daughters, the youngest one, that little girl, her and stones, the stones daughter, my, another one of my granddaughters. So we had two granddaughters waiting on the arrival of the dogs and they pitched in. And so they determined where they were going to sleep last night. Okay, you know, they well, had the dogs back in the bathroom, you know, with yeah. a little kind of like a fork with a little yeah. rubber deal where they couldn't get out of it. So that's where well, they slept. I was sure that was fun for them. So, so it's dog day and Yeah, night. you're making memories. You're turning into truly a great, great grandpa. You're overseeing the dog, the new dogs. That's oh, good. yeah. You got the grandkids out there. So, so we have two right. new dogs to add to the collection well that's good well i'm sure miss k is is happy and you know what they say happy wife happy life for you Phil. that's it <laughs> can't, you can't argue with that for sure well where did you guys leave off i was out last week let's see last what episode. did we do last time we were uh you know what we did we got to hebrews chapter three and i believe we went yeah. through the whole chapter so we we oh, wow. should be yeah we should well, I mean, we we did two podcasts. I have a, had, oh, I have Al, a, Al, Al, Al Skyped in from Greece, which was kind of embarrassing because I said, because I went to Greece uh, on a mission trip with our with our buddy, the Oklahoman. And uh, I was like, so Al, tell us what you're doing there. And he's like, oh, I'm just, I'm just here. <laughs> that was the strangest answer I've ever heard in my life. Not, do, not doing the Lord's work. I said I would at least, yeah. <laughs> He's on the Aegean Sea where the Apostle Paul, they pulled out and left and a storm caught him and, and somewhere up, up the way a little ways is when they had the shipwreck. And, but that's, that's where all that went down. Yeah, it is moving to go to these old places and you read the Bible and then you look up and say, I'm out, look, seriously, he's, it's research and development. It's, it's the Bible with pictures, you know, you're getting the geography of what happened and mm -hmm. there's something, there's something cool about that. It's, uh, yeah, it I, is cool. We got to go, we got to go, <laughs> Phil and I went, we, uh, we stood on Mars Hill together where Paul preached that famous sermon in Acts 17 and Phil 
verbatim from memory stood on the hill and was essentially quoting the entire chapter of Acts 17. And then the people started to kind of crowd around as he's given this uh, dissertation. I think they thought that it was the Apostle Paul reincarnated. But it was yeah. it was pretty powerful that, that when we were there. Well, fun. I'll tell you this: uh, many in the audience after I gave that speech, I quoted Acts chapter seventeen. I just kind of memorized it on the way over there, but uh, but the people who heard that, the film crew was saying, "Why are so many of them crying?" I said, "You'd have to ask them." Yeah, I, I just told them. I said, "I'm going. I'm standing right here. The Apostle Paul stood well, right here over two thousand years ago, mm-hmm. and." Well, we went, Phil, and uh, I, I shared this on an earlier podcast, Zach. But you need to listen to them more, so you'd be in the loop. But uh, when we were, we got to the got on Mars Hill, and Missy, who, which she's famous about doing, I, the, she has a certain look, and I know what's fixing to happen. It, it's just, it's a complete transformation of her. What would you, what would you call, it? just the way she is, and I know. She's fixing to say something, and, and she's going to be passionate about it. So she had her Bible. We're all just kind of plopped down on the rock, taking it all in, and she started reading Acts <laughs> 17. And, uh, of course, she didn't get three verses in, you know, and she started getting a little emotional. I shared this on the podcast. But then we had, we had a— uh, we had somebody who didn't agree with what she was reading come up. We, we, I mean, because people started listening. Obviously, most people there were believers, and uh, it was obviously a guy who was a little bitter. And we talked about this when uh, well, I keep forgetting his name. What, what's the name? Uh, we can cut this out. What's the name of the guy, the missionary we've had here? Larry yeah, Bowles. Larry Bowles. Yeah, we talked about it when Larry Bowles was here, but because he just basically was angry at God was was angry with I think he was he was from some some part of Russia but uh and so he after she finished he he just he just started kind of letting his heart out in in opposition which started quite the conversation between Larry Missy and the Russian but and they I thought they spoke the truth in love they they were and I think they realized the fact that you may say something and you may be bitter, but what are you doing on the top of Mars Hill sitting down listening to the Bible being read? I, I believe there's a sign in your actions that you're searching, which yeah. is what they picked up on. It's like you can say what all you want to, but you're here and you're engaging with what we're reading. And so I thought it was a powerful moment. Pretty which ironically is the exact, that's the exact point. The, the Paul's making in that sermon that God has determined the exact times and places that men would live and and uh, and dwell. Uh, what is it? So that that, that he would uh, seek him out and perhaps find him. So he God's yep. ordained our moments so that we would hear about the coming of His kingdom and 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 more importantly the coming of the King and the establishment of His kingdom. Um, exactly. But he's not far from each one of us, you know, so that we'd reach out and find him. So well, and he makes that point about where his offspring. I mean, he's. He's introducing there this this relationship that God on who He is that He chose with people, which is and the reason it's he, a covenant relationship. I mean, it's you know I thought about. I mean, it's like if you tried to get access to the president, or well, they they they're not going to let you in. 
And if you see the president and you take off running, somebody's going to shoot you. Yeah. I mean, that's the difference, you know, with a father, son, daughter aspect. He, he, he made us. He, yep. he gave us life, which Plus I think he, is, he, he covered uh, from one man. Uh, God made every nation a man. He, he gave that. He also said, therefore, he ends it all up by saying, since we're God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being, because he's standing on Mars Hill when it uh, was uh, with all its glory of man-made, uh, uh, what would you call them, statue, man-made gods. Yeah, yeah. idols. He said, uh, he's not like gold or silver or image made by man's design and skill. He was looking out across all those things that had been buried in the ground that they bowed down to. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has set a day when he will judge this world with justice by the man he has appointed. Now here comes Jesus. He's given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. In, Paul, in Paul's sermon, unfortunately, when they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered and others said, we want to hear you more on the subject. This is the first time the gospel had been preached to the Greeks ever. So when they heard it, they were, these are the best minds of the day. And well, right. But most of them said, nah, what's he talking about? Resurrect, whoa. But he planted the seed. And it does say, a few men became followers of Paul and believed. Among those was Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Damaris. There weren't many, but he did plant the seed. And, it, and that's... Uh, that's the message going into Hebrews this morning. I got well, that's right. In Hebrews, you know, here this. Well, hold on, let's, hold on. Before you before you go there, let's uh, let, let's take a quick time out here. Well, this travel's definitely got a few aches and pains, Dad. A few that I didn't know. You know, you, you get on airplanes and you get in boats and you start traveling around and you start realizing you're not as young as you used to be. Um, we learned from Omega XL, um, one of our sponsors, that there are 360 joints. Uh, from your neck down to your vertebrae, down to your feet. So that's a lot of potential problems to have some aches and pains. And so the science behind it is that your body used to produce something called SPMs. That kind of kept your joints young and healthy. But as you get older, not so much. So this product can help you rejuvenate your joints and muscles so you can move more like you did when you were young. Uh, dad and I both take it and, and Cy takes as well, mom, and we really stand by. It's a great product. We encourage you to check these guys out. Uh, you go to omegaxl.com slash fill. You're going to buy a bottle and you're going to get a second bottle for free. And so that's just for being a listener. And that's enough to really get you going. You're going to feel the difference and you're going to want to do this more. Omegaxl.com slash Phil, or you can call them at 800-844-4888. That's 800-844-4888 or omegaxl.com slash Phil. Well, in John 1, you know, it's interesting. I heard a great sermon on this other day, but, you know, when he said in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God, well, you know, that Word, the Greek word for that is logos, which is, when you look into that, it's not only is it, we I've always used it kind of as the communication, but when you look in the definition of that, I mean, it's more, it's reason and, and purpose and the 
sermon I heard, they used an illustration like, uh, I think in the sermon, he, he uh, when you have an item with, that has an instruction manual, it basically tells you the design, and but it also is like when you don't do what it's intended to do, well, you've got trouble. Yep. And so, and he's basically saying the word became flesh. And, and, and in the middle of that, in verse three, going to Acts 17, which you mentioned, through him, because we know this is Jesus, all things were made, this John 1, 3, without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life, life was the light of men. So it's like when you start saying, what does that mean? I mean, that is so heavy that here's this harmony of the universe that everything that's created that we see, when you, you look at the ramifications of that, anything that had a beginning or has a beginning, he was a part of that. I mean, just think how yeah, how, how that, big that is. It, well, that's the question people say. So, so did God the Father make the universe or, or Jesus? And the answer is yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, why, yes. yeah that, I think, that's why when you get to the book of Hebrews, in lieu of the verses I'll give this morning, we must pay, chapter 2, more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. He's he's getting the Hebrews, the Jews, ready to understand something. Well, that was in chapter 2. 2. For if the message spoken by angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received a just, uh, a just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? And he goes back to what Luke said in Luke chapter, uh, yeah, let's see, right here, yeah. He goes back to, to, to Luke recording what Jesus said, uh, this salvation which was first announced by the Lord was confirmed to us by those who heard him. Well, if you go back when Jesus announced what was fixing to go, go down here, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Tell us where you're at, Phil. I'm in Luke chapter chapter 4. And, and when Jesus is first announcing who he is and why he's there, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found in the place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is on me. He's talking about himself because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You say, well, those Jews who were there that day, how did they receive that? Well, all the people in the synagogue within 10 minutes were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him down the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. The point being, by the time you get to Hebrews, you better pay more careful attention to what you've heard that was first announced by the Lord. Because if you don't, when you get to uh, chapter 4 in Hebrews, it's the first time it's brought up. But I have a list here that dates all the way back to the psalmist. And you know what it's about? Through the epistles. 
It's about the promise, the promise God made to Abraham. Therefore, chapter 4 of Hebrews, where we are, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found fallen short of it. He's speaking to the Jewish people, and there was trouble from the time he announced the gospel to this day. For we also have had the gospel preached to us, just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them, because though that uh, those that, that heard did not combine it with faith. Now we have believed that now we who have believed enter the rest believe just as God has said I declared on oath in my anger these people will never enter my wrath what he's saying is the book of Hebrews they're in a danger of falling away from the elementary beginning point of it and it's all about the promises remember when Peter said repent me better the promise is for you living a spirit-filled life, the Spirit's given, guarantees you be resurrected. In Romans 4, 13 through 25, about the promise, the promise. Ephesians 2, 11 through 18, the promise. Hebrews 2 that we, we just covered. Hebrews 4, verse 1 that I just read. Woven throughout the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 6, 13 through 19, just a quick, 13 through that, when God made his promise to Abraham, it just keeps coming up in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 10, 23. You, you just look, you say, oh, what, what does he bring up? 23, 23, let's see. Let's see. What are you looking for? Hebrews 10, 23. Uh, yeah, let's see. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised yes. is faithful. And that, that uh, wordage goes all the way through Hebrews 10, Hebrews 11, 17. Without faith, it's impossible. Hebrews 11, 37. But I think the point is a person makes a promise. And, and that was, you know, to go back to John 1, when he said... Uh, when he said the light, verse 4, shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. And, you know, some versions say overcome it. Uh, I looked into this Greek word because I'm like, how do you, how does one of them say overcome and one say understand? And I think the King James says can't comprehend. And it, it, it hit me and, and, like I said when I was I was listening to this dissertation on this, that when you think of those who oppose Jesus, I mean, you basically have two camps, because we're seeing that in Hebrews. But the first one is just people of the world who just outright say, I mean, this this is a fairy tale. This is crazy. This You're saying God came to earth? I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous. And so what do they do? They try to overcome it. They try to crush it. They persecute it. They persecute those who, who trust in it. But then you have to another this, group of people. To this day. To the definition of this Greek where you have a, a, another group of people who try to have a form of religion, which in this case, in the book of Hebrews, you have this Jewish nationalism that, and, and, because that's where their roots were. Yep. 
based on sacrifices and ordinance and and rituals and we'll see tabernacles and sacrifices and but if you miss Jesus in that well if you don't understand this who this Jesus is that he was with God in the beginning that uh, that all things were made and without him, nothing was made, and in him was and life. Look, and look, he is the promise. Well, right. In 14, it says, well, and on, he became on, flesh. On that, let's take a quick break. To go yeah, ahead, you, you mentioned that. Uh, well, go ahead, Zach. Yeah, I was going to say, you mentioned, yeah, you, mentioned he, you mentioned he became flesh, and you were quoting out of John uh, chapter one, and and then the, with the interesting thing about this whole thing is the, how this discussion today even took place. We didn't plan on going to Acts seventeen. We didn't plan on starting there, but that's where we started because we were talking about Greece and Al being yeah. in Greece. We we're making fun of Al, and then we got into Acts seventeen. But but think about Acts seventeen where it's wedged at in in Scripture and in Paul's particular missionary journeys. Um, he, you know, he was he was preaching to, as Phil said, Gentiles. But that's that's surrounded by Paul going and preaching to to the to the uh, Jewish people in the synagogues. And it's interesting the the take or the approach that Paul takes of how different it is, you know, from from Acts seventeen to when he goes to like Thessalonica and these these other places. It's a it's a completely different approach. Yep. But what's the same is 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 this core message is what we're hitting on here, which is what Hebrews is getting at, which is what you mentioned in John chapter one, that in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, through him all things were made. And in Hebrews chapter one, he starts with the very same language when he says that he uh, through uh, whom Jesus, he also made the world. And this is in verse three. And he is the radiance. He is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by his word and his power. Acts 17, going back to Acts 17, he's not even talking to Jewish people. But what does he say? He's going to not only like he's going to judge the world by this man, Jesus. He's he's mm-hmm. he is the supreme being. He is the cornerstone. He is all of it. And and as you guys were, were talking about this idea of a promise, I love what Phil said, man, that was so true and what we're all kind of saying this i feel like we said every episode and i think we could keep saying it jesus is the promise the promise is personal it's personal yeah. and i think that's what the what's going on here that's in the book of I, hebrews is the yeah that's why zach when you get to acts 11 throughout the book of hebrews these hole until the promise keeps coming up by faith abraham when god tested him offered isaac as a sacrifice it's hebrews 11 he, he who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Well, listen how this reads. Even though God had said to him, it's through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. That's to get him, have him killed. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. That's just to give you one example. You say the gospel of Jesus, Jesus himself was announced in advance and you better hold on to it. And he goes all the way back, but he always comes back to he who received the promises. You yeah. say that's through Abraham. And then he said, well, you kill your son. Now, let me see, if, see how much you're in. It's the, it's the greatest story ever told, boys. 
Yeah, I think that's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians 1.20, he said, for no matter how many promises God has made, yep. they are yes in Jesus Christ. Yep. Which is the point. Well, you underestimate when you're going to all our well, listeners, when you all study the book of Hebrews, just remember those I gave you. Hebrews 2, Hebrews 4, Hebrews 6, Hebrews 10, another one in Hebrews 10, and Hebrews 11. Read every time those promises. This, this was an old thing all the way through the annals of time. But the old song, Jace, standing on the promises of God. Yeah, yeah exactly. It is apropos. Yeah, I was. Uh, I preached this Sunday at our church, and we're going to the book of Matthew. I said in Matthew chapter um, twelve, we're getting ready for the kingdom of God uh, in Matthew thirteen, which is going to be great this next coming week. But, but um, you know, I was looking at Jesus in his interaction with the Pharisees, and it's so similar of how he interacted in Matthew twelve with the entire premise of the book of Hebrews, and for that matter, the book of Colossians, which we just finished. And uh, you said this in an earlier podcast, Jace. You said, "How did how, what? What is Jesus if he's summing it all up? What's what's he saying? He's it, the whole point is Jesus is better. He's better than the angels. He's better than the prophets. He's better than Moses. Hebrews chapter three, uh, Matthew twelve. He's better than Jonah. You know, he's better than Solomon. The, the only sign I'm going to give you, people, he told him, is is the sign of Jonah, and, and who was in the belly of a well for three days and came up out of it alive. And, I, oh, and the yeah. Son of Man's going into the belly of the earth and coming up three days later. And I'm telling you, somebody greater than Jonah. You, you you believe Jonah, but you won't believe the one who's better than Jonah. You believe yeah. Solomon and the Queen of the South. Who these people are going to stand up and condemn you. And and after the sermon was over. Uh, one of the girls came up to me and um, that's in our church, and she said, you know, it's because my whole point was, what is Jesus' promise? His promise is, is his presence. And she said, you, you ever consider the fact that the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, his account of Christ, it ends and begins with the same thing. And I'm going to read this to you because I think this is ultimately his promise. This is at the end of Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means, or which translates, God with us. Oh, What's yeah. the promise? Yeah. God's presence, God with us. You go to the very last chapter of Matthew, and this is what he says. Go, there, go therefore, baptizing in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you. Always, even to the end of the age, God's presence is here, and it's in it's in the believer. And by the that's way, what, that's His promise. Yeah, why exactly. why you're there when you get to we'll we'll be hitting it in the next uh, three or four podcasts. When God, this is Hebrews six thirteen. When God made His promise to Abraham, just listen to this. Since there was no one greater for Him to swear by, He swore by Himself, saying. I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Jesus finally come on the scene. This is post-Jesus here. Men swear by someone greater than themselves. The oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all arguments. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose to save us all very clear to the heirs of what was promised. He confirmed it with an oath. He said, I will swear by myself, since there's no one bigger to swear by. God did it. 
So there are about two unchangeable things. I'm going, I promise I will save you, and I can't lie. So just grab a hold of it and receive it instead of reject it like some of you in the book of Hebrews are, are deciding to do. So yeah, well, let's, they, let's, let's take a break. Well, in Hebrews, you know, they're trying, they didn't understand that you're not going to be able to do this without Jesus. Because to go back to where I was thinking about in, in John, when he, when he, he said in verse uh, chapter one, when he said he came to that which his own, I think this is real practical to where we're studying in Hebrews because Jesus was a Jew. He came to that culture. And so when you read that chapter four and two of Hebrews, where it says, for we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard it didn't combine it with faith. Yep. So when you read John 1, 11, said he came to that which his own, but his own did not receive him. Yep. Now I said that it, it's, it's not like they weren't acknowledging that there's a God. I mean, it made me think of this practical illustration. I mean, there was a time in the you know 50s and 60s, I guess our biggest enemy as a nation was Russia. We were worried about a nuclear war and but we as people, I remember, you know, the thought is, well, they don't they don't believe in God. They have rejected their communists. That's but then here you fast forward 40, 50 years and our biggest threat came from religious people who didn't understand Jesus. Now they they had this moralistic look where you come with us and do what we say in the name of God or we'll kill you. Yeah. Well, obviously it it's it it looks like our culture today where you have people who deny God and what do they say? Just look at the problems we have. There's no absolute truth. There's no, no basis for I've got morality. My truth. You have yours. Do whatever. If it feels good, do it. And I mean, with that, but then on the other side, you have people in religion who miss Jesus, who are, who are trying to accomplish salvation by this comparison of morality. So you look at other people, and if you're better than them, you you become oppressive. You're and and that that's not appealing because you know Jesus said all, all men will know you by your love yep. for one another, and so that that's the problem here because when it said verse twelve, and I want to make a point here in John one, John one twelve. Yet yep. to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. I mean, he's a person the the whole order of all creation and our existence going back to act 17 the whole reason we're here is that god through his love plan for knowledge grace mercy justice all the qualities of god wants sons and daughters in this relationship to your point children born not of natural descent nor of a human decision or a husband's will but born of God. Yeah. This is whole concept that you can be born again and God is giving you that right. Yeah. And the so, then he, so I just want to read this and then you can comment. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Well, I looked up that Greek word for dwelling. Interesting enough. You know what it means? Tabernacle. 
Because here, God, God said, look, I'm going to be with you. So when people come to us and they're like, no, oh, oh, you're a believer. So where's your temple? And we're like, well, Jesus is our temple. And they're like, <laughs> you're crazy. Yeah. That seems insane. It does. But I just read that we are Christ's house. You know, we are his house. They're we, like, well, who we runs this thing? Yeah, 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 we are the temple of God. That's what that's his point in Hebrews, you know, First Corinthians six. It's I a mean, good, well, good. Well, well, think about this. Think about the promise that Phil mentioned earlier. I mean, just to, and then we're hitting on it right here. Just but but to tie it up exactly in the context of Hebrews four, he tells us what the promise is. He says in verse one, therefore let us fear if while. A promise remains of entering his rest. So what's the promise? The promise is entering the rest of God. It's entering into this rest. And and you you can only get there by faith. That's why when you get to passages like the Paul mentions in, in uh, I think it's Romans 14, when he's talking about like these controversial kind of trivial matters of eating or drinking. And can we eat the meat sacrificed to idols and the, the whole violation of the conscience and that whole argument that, that's, that Paul makes? How does he sum the whole thing up when he when he ties it back to the kingdom? He says, "For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but what it's 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 of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit." So, Phil, one of the greatest lines that you say that I love it every time you say it, and it resonates with me, is you say, "A peace of mind, the rarest of all commodities," and it's yeah. like. That's that's what God's people are looking for. God's people are looking for rest. Some people, yeah. they like the, they like the, they. I, I want rest. Yep. And while that's we're, being while we're here. alive, that's what's incredible about this. Because he says in verse three of chapter four, "Now we who have believed enter that rest. We have that peace." So he's now because he's comparing it when the Israelites were wandering around in the wilderness, and you say, "Well, what was going in the wilderness?" They realized that they weren't self sufficient. They realized they were helpless. What ensued? Quarreling, uh, panic. And so what was what was God doing? He's showing them I'm the provider. He was taking care of them. Yeah. He was uh he was willing to help them. He was faithful to them. And I think even when, you know, when I was in Israel and visited there, I noticed that the tradition that when they adhere to the Sabbath, e even today, it wasn't what you think I, I was shocked it wasn't like they were all sitting around gloom and saying oh i can't do anything and it was a joyous you know meal they had the two loaves on the bread that represented um, you know represented god is providing over over in abundance and so now when you're saying oh oh wait a minute he's making a comparison that jesus does more than even that, the physical bread that he provided in the yep. wilderness. We we live this life, which is a wilderness, and we realize that God's got a plan for us. And through Jesus, he gives us the ability to rest from what? I I, I wrote down uh, a list of them. Ask, the, that, ask that, that question again. Ask that question again. we got to take a quick break, though, but, but ask the question again on the other side of the break, because I think that question... We need that is a that is the question right there. Rest from what? That's that's the question. Yeah. Let's take a quick break and then we can get into that. Rest from what? And these are things that we're going to read in the book of Hebrews. Rest from a guilty conscience. 
through Jesus and his blood. Rest from the consequences of our sin. Without Jesus providing that rest, what, what are the consequences? All bad. That's why when you get to, most people will quote John 3.16, but you should never read that without reading John 17 and following. For God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him won't perish, but have eternal life. We're quick to say that. But the next verse says, God did not send his son into this world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's everybody. Mm -hmm. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. That was one of the things the Hebrews and them were wrestling with because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Here's the verdict. Light has come into the world. There here comes Jesus. But men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. Yeah. That's, that's the wrap-up beginning, middle, and end all in about this much. So when you get to the book of Hebrews, he's, he's telling them, look, yeah. you do not want to miss this now. Don't miss Jesus. Exactly. So here's the rest of my list. He gives us rest from the burdens of the past. You just think without Jesus's forgiveness and his sacrifice, there's just no way to move on from some of the things that have happened in our past. You think of the consequences of that. But in Jesus, there, there's a place where you can go, there is a peace that, that surpasses all understanding. I almost uh, want to preach. Yeah. Well, look, he, we enter the rest, look, from fear and anxiety of present circumstances. That's why when a pandemic breaks out, you're, we're in the rest of God in Jesus, in that he, he is, controls the atoms and the molecules even Jesus himself, when he was here on the earth, he healed multiple people. And you say, well, what if he doesn't? Well, then we're resurrected. It, there's a peace that comes with that. There's Because he's indestructible. He's imperishable. So you, you see the point. Uh, rest from worries about the future. I mean, you say, oh, what am I going to do? Oh, I'm getting old. I don't know. I can't do what I used to. I mean, what happens if the world ends? Well, it ends. But yep. we don't. Yep. Rest from the pressure of having to be in charge or control. And I wrote this, I read this uh, a chapter in one of McGuigan's books, and I really liked the way he, he worded this, but he, because he, he was talking about the Sabbath and this very passage, passage, and he said the Sabbath represents, what the Sabbath represents is that in the wilderness, we don't carry God. He carries us. And the point being, you think about why all the rituals they were doing, they were doing it to act as the bridge to God because there's a separation. He's 100% holy. He's 100% righteous. We're not, obviously. And that's why this putting yourself under a system of right and wrong and you keeping it is going to crush you because you're never going to measure up. And when you're pretty good, you're going to crush others because they're not measuring up to you. 
and yeah. and you've you've not understand that Jesus is the entire function of why the universe is here and why you're here to find him or he find you and and there you find your peace you you find your rest you're like oh wow so uh so I, I wanted to bring this up because he he brings up Joshua in the middle of this in verse eight where he says for if Joshua Joshua had had given them rest God would not have spoken later about another day there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God for anyone who enters God's rest this is 410 also rest from his own work because you can't do it which is the same principle and it took 40 years in the wilderness for them to realize you know what if we didn't have God we we would just not have hope so then it's it says, interesting that the, just as God did from his go ahead Zach yeah, I just was, it's interesting that that if you read that the rest of that verse there, it, it, he says that uh, therefore this verse eleven, let us be diligent to enter that rest, the rest that you've been talking about, and here's why: so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. So it's interesting that we want to think that disobedience is the violation of the arbitrary commandments that God gave, so that we would have to prove ourselves righteous. But that's not what He says here. The, 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 the disobedience is the refusal to enter the rest of God. And I think in the I, I wrote this question down because you see the, uh, these, this progressive warning uh, here to not harden your hearts. You know, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. It's the same language, by the way, in Matthew 12 and 13, when he's chastising the Pharisees there. Jesus is like, your, your hearts are hard. You, you got hard hearts. You think? What's at the core of their hard heart that they will not they will not submit to the rest that God is inviting them into? In their case, I think it was uh, um, what you mentioned earlier, maybe Jewish nationalism. Yeah. I'm like, well, that could be us today. Like, like we, like oh. we, oh, we agree. hone in on these things that are like they're just temporary and they're futile. Not that they don't matter. I shouldn't say that, but they are temporary and they're not first importance. And no, we're honing in on, on these things. Even the church itself, you can take the things of God, and I say this over and over again, you hone in on that, you put your your hope on the things of God instead of the God of the things, and you're not going to enter the rest. And I think that's why this message right now is so applicable for today, because people yeah. are exhausted. Well, that's People are I, tired of being out, outraged. Yeah. You know, people need rest. Yeah, exactly. Well, I was going to bring up a point in which goes, that what you just said goes in perfectly with it. When he brought up Joshua, I'm just going to read one verse from Joshua. and Because I just thought, why did he bring up Joshua here? You know, what was his illustration? I read one verse and I said, okay, that answered that question. Because this is my final thing we get rest from, which is from our enemies. And look, when you go public with your faith and you declare Jesus as the object of not only your life, but the world, the universe, and the whole purpose for creation, you're going to have some enemies. Oh, yeah. They're coming in mass. That and is look, it. a lot of times I think when we see the world start to crumble around us and we're like, you know, doom and gloom, and then all of a sudden we're going around like we need to help keep God alive. That, that's the wrong attitude about this. He's in full control, even in the wilderness, when it looks bleak. But I want to read this one verse in Joshua 23, 1. It says, after a long time had passed, and the Lord had given Israel rest from all their enemies around them. And then it 
then it says Joshua fully, fully in advance in years. And I thought about that. What can really, what can our enemies do? It made me think of that song. Uh, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by him. This is how I fight my battles. And I just think it's so, you know, applicable to what our society is right now. I mean, we, we get frightened and almost panic like we're in the wilderness because of the enemies are, you know, they're loud and we're like, Oh no, what are we going to do? And we we're serving and have a loving relationship, father, son, daughter type relationship with the create creator of the cosmos who is so complicated, <laughs> complicated about the power on what he can do from just, all of life forms when you look at the details and to plan this out through history, have a book written about it. This many authors over that span of year. I mean, what, what are we fretting about here? I promise. That's a great point. That's, man, that's it. Yeah. No, that's that'll preach, I mean, you know? I, yeah. That'll, that, that will, that will preach because I think one of the, one of the, the mistakes we've made in the last however many years in, in the church is, is uh, that we have gotten way too upset over our enemies, yeah. and I, I, we're we're not resting. I mean, we are. The sky has fallen. I mean, I've fallen into this doomsday prophet. You know, I've, I mean, I've my kids say, "Man, you're always predicting the collapse of society." <laughs> I'm like, but but you do this and you worry about it, and I'm like, man, but but God, God is bigger than all of that. We we you read uh, Daniel two. And you go through these kingdoms that that he talks about, and the the four kingdoms, and every one of them, according to Daniel's interpretation of that dream, what happened to every single one of them? They, they fell and they crumbled. Yep. Yeah. They collapsed, except for the except except for the one that he said he was going to establish in the days of the Roman Empire. Yep. And in those days, he says, "I will establish a kingdom that can't be shaken or destroyed." Yeah. So it's but, we we have to shift our our allegiance our primary allegiance to the kingdom of God and that's where you'll find rest because that's where God is it's His kingdom. Well, look, and before we go to overtime, I just want to say that's why He said in four four when He uses the illustration that on the seventh day God rested from His work. He didn't rest from His work because He was tired, or He needed the rest. He was satisfied. With what happened, his purpose was had been implemented, and I think it's the same thing. When people see rest, they're like, "Oh, we don't have to do anything." Well, you can't do anything, but you're going to work just like Jesus did while he was here, with every passion, energy, and passion because of what God has done. It's not about that. That's why in Hebrews six, he's like, "I don't want you to be lazy." It's not about that. Oh, you're going to work, but you're in God's rest, and he's protecting you, and he's supplying the power. Yep, I like it. So, see yeah, you in one over. more thing that we can end. Yeah, yep. one more thing to think about. Maybe we can talk about this in overtime. And he says here in, in Romans, I mean, uh, Hebrews 4, he says, As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. You know why you can rest in Jesus? because his entire works were finished before the creation of the world. There's a whole lot there. Yeah, let's talk about that in overtime. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. 
And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.